Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters To Go. to the Satellite Sisters. It's Twilight Tuesday show. I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California, and I'm joined by my sister, Julie Dolan, who is in Brooklyn, New York, on a babysitting gig for the next couple of weeks, hence the Twilight Hour. How you doing there, Nana? You okay? I'm good. We had a, we had a successful day, Leanne. It rained a little this afternoon, so I, don't, I didn't get out outside, which I like to do with my baby in the afternoon. So, uh, but everything went fine. Things are going well here. Yep. Well, if today's show were a Jeopardy category, it would be under odds and ends. (laughs) So, (laughs) as we, we no longer have Downton Abbey to talk about, which was kind of our anchor for the Tuesday show. So instead we just have tidbits and odds and ends, but I think you're going to enjoy it. Uh, It's election day here in Pasadena. I want to tell you a little bit about that. There's been some poisoning in the news. Julie has that. Of course, the Apple Watch debuted. and um, I hate it. I hate it, Leanne. I'm so, I I just, I have to talk about that Apple Watch, okay? I'm going to tell you there's a huge problem. Yeah. I did like all the Facebook memes, which was just people putting like a Granny Smith apple on their wrist. (laughs) That just made me laugh. Uh, new study out on narcissism, overpraising your kids, shockingly turns your kids into narcissists. So there you go. Going to talk about that. We've got a book nook and then we have a royal report. That's what we're going to put in the Downton Gabby slot. So stay with us if you want to know all things royal happening this week. But Julie, it is election day here in Pasadena, local election day. And uh, it, it's overwhelming the number of candidates we have. I can't even. Right, begin- well, first of all, Leanne, you are, you seem like you are Miss Pasadena. Are you running for office uh, this, this term? There's so many reasons why I would not run for office. Um, and mainly because who's got the time, but um, I'm not really, I've never been interested in holding any office or being on any commission that I am. I'm an eager voter I participate in my democracy yes. by keeping yes. myself informed and uh, I try not to make snap judgments and I use, you know, what I can to make this town better, but I don't ever want to sit through those city council meetings. They're like hours no, You long. would not be good at those. Lane. No, I'd be no. too impatient. I don't really care what other people have to say. You know, I don't, I don't. <laughs> so really very good, solid career choice not to go into public yeah. service yeah. if you don't really care what the public thinks. No. Okay, good. Really. All right, but many people do care, which shocks me. Here's the situation. We have a mayoral campaign going on, and it's the first time in 15 years that we're electing a new mayor. We, we've only had a mayor in Pasadena for 15 years. We just elected one guy 15 years ago, and he just kept getting reelected. And now he's retiring. So now the whole mayoral race is blown wide open. So we have six candidates in that. 
One of the candidates happens to be our former city councilwoman. So she had to resign from the city council. So in our district, we have a city council spot opening up and there are six candidates in that spot. Okay. So Julie, I am not kidding you. When I say this weekend, we were home most of the weekend. I met seven of the 12 <laughs> candidates running. They Door were not. Door. The- you got to get out there, Leanne. You got to press the flesh, right? Isn't that what you have to do to win an election? And that's okay. what they were doing. Several of them I had already met before, either at my front door or at neighborhood coffees. We have a very engaged neighborhood. So they people have really spread out their vote. I see lawn signs for like five of the six city council candidates. People have had coffees and lunches and meetings and, you know, come here what he or she has to say. And then the same with the mayoral candidates. <laughs> so, and I just, by like the fourth one, I just kept saying, oh yeah, I'm voting for you. Even though I wasn't voting for him. Cause it just. Leon, now see that, per, uh, that's, that's, that's kind of. It throws off their polling, doesn't it? I know they are. They're going back to their headquarters. They're so excited that they met you. They put you in the yes column. You know, for local elections, the turnouts are always pitiful. Abysmal. Yeah, and 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 people win by like thirty-two votes. I know. I know. They have like Leon Dolan. Your name is up on that board (laughs) on many boards. Throughout Pasadena, in the yes column, you know, they're going to be Now I feel bad. Okay. Well, here's, here's the thing. So I went to one candidate breakfast a couple weeks ago, a mayoral candidate, and the guy seemed completely fine. Like the, the office of the mayor, it's not like being the mayor of New York. You have almost no power in Pasadena. It is, it is just a one notch below ceremonial. You know, I mean, you show up at the Rose Parade, you try to attract businesses, you show up at a lot of openings and things like that, but you don't actually have a ton of executive power. And so, uh, so this guy seemed totally fine. And as I was leaving, I was saying that to someone like, he seems totally fine. And somebody else went, well, of course he does to you. Cause it's like your husband running for mayor. And I hadn't really put it together that that candidate was essentially my husband running. He was the same guy. Really? Okay. He even looked like him. He wore, was wearing like khakis and a blue blazer. You know, I was like, oh, this seems fine. Okay. But like other candidates, I just dismissed because like one guy, I didn't like his slogan, you know, it was was his slogan. His slogan was keep Pasadena great. And you know, that just sounds not very forward thinking, you know, (laughs) it doesn't sound inclusively. No, does it? It seems like it's like, it's like Pasadena is fine the way it is. Right. And don't do anything to uh, to change it. Right. Thank you, Julie. Okay. I'm glad you agree with me because I realize yeah. when you have all these people, they're running, they're putting in this effort. You know, we have 12 candidates. That's a lot of people who want to get engaged in the process. It's a lot of, we have a lot of women. Uh, I live in a, a neighborhood that is predominantly, it's a historically and predominantly African-American neighborhood. So all our candidates for city council are African-American. We are engaging the people here. We got a lot happening. So when your slogan is keep Pasadena great, I'm out like that. I'm not, I'm not into that. I need someone who looks like my husband. <laughs> For mayor. But on the city council side, I was getting calls from people last week when I was in Washington urging me to vote for people. Or Then the one guy came and he said, he gave me his, you know, his flyer. And I was like, oh, you went to the same high school as my husband. And then he said, once a Mustang, always a Mustang. And I, I was sold on that, Julie. <laughs> that seemed, 
Lynn, it's good that you're like, you know, you were a very critical voter. I can see that. I think you have, I think you've really outlined the issues that are important to you and you're sticking to them. Yeah. And there were just so many candidates. Once a Mustang, always a Mustang. That's what you're voting. And then, well, be happy with that, Lynn, then be happy with that. Well, then another guy came to the door, and he seemed very qualified for city council. And uh, he was the former fire chief, 35 years uh, here working in Pasadena. And I was like, oh, he's not a Mustang, but I don't know. He seems like a pretty good candidate. I was going to switch my vote. And then I talked to my husband. I was like, hey, that was just the former – because he doesn't get up. He doesn't talk to anyone at the front door. It's just me. I was like, hey, that was the former fire chief. He's also running for city council. And then Barrick remembered this obscure miscarriage of public funds. He, when the city, when he was the fire chief, when this guy turned 50, he had all of his fellow firefighters, he challenged them to run the steps in the Rose Bowl with him. Okay. That seems like a, that seems like a noble goal. Okay. And then as sort of a sign of salute, they mustered all the police helicopters and had them continually buzz the Rose Bowl (laughs) for an hour. Oh, well, maybe at, that's over the line. Okay. And then they the did they did this all at 5 a.m. So, oh, so the neighbors were not happy with the 5 a.m. helicopters. It was actually good. kind of freaky. Like, not only did it wake you up. I live right there, as everyone knows, who listens to the podcast. Uh, so it was super loud. And it was also kind of threatening. So then when we found, we're like, what is happening at the Rose Bowl? It seemed like we were under siege to have that much stuff happening at 5 a.m. And then when we found out it was the fire chief celebrating his 50th birthday. But see, Julie, that's the kind of thing I had totally forgotten. But my husband, he's going to hold it against that guy. <laughs> I don't know how they get people to run for office. I don't know, Lynn. It's very hard. <laughs> so you've now narrowed it down. You're voting for your husband and for the other slot. And once a, must, once a Mustang, always a Mustang. Okay. No women. You're not voting for any women. You I know what? Doing. I'm not. And it's not. I did. Usually I would. We, again, right. many candidates running. I just, uh, I just decided for a bunch of reasons to go with the city councilman I, I went with. I liked okay. he's, you know, I liked I liked his approach to things. He said a couple of things that I agreed with that other candidates didn't say because I did read all their bios and everything and their positions on things. So, uh, so I that's why normally I, you know, would I usually try to vote for women, but in this case, I just voted for the person I thought would best represented um, me, best represented me. <laughs> so. Okay, Leon, will you keep us posted on these burning elections? I will. Because I think everybody is really on the edge of their seats yeah. to know well, what is going to happen with the mayoral race in Pasadena. Well, one okay. of the candidates for mayor is Jackie Robinson, and she is the grand niece of Jackie Robinson. And so that's, that's and a she, good name. she very cleverly for her signs used the Dodger script for the oh. Robinson. So it's very, yes. it's very clever, oh. very clever. So, but, um, but I went with the guy that looked like my husband. <laughs> so. Well, it's worked out that in your private life, so yeah. I guess public life, good, Lane, yeah. good. That's right. a good, good choice. <laughs> okay. Well, Leon, I, I have to tell you, I've been like just fixated about poison this week. Okay, I don't know uh, because you do you heard about that poisoning story in Great Britain about the three-year-old Irish setter Jagger, Jagger 
Yes, I heard uh, long interviews on the BBC yesterday, the news hour. It was dramatic. and It's terrible, terrible. This beautiful Irish setter. Uh, was at, was you know was showing at the big dog show there Cruft's dog show which is like the Westminster or I guess Westminster is like yes. Cruft's I don't know but he collapsed and died after leaving this big British dog show and they did an autopsy and they found out that there was, he had poisoned meat in his stomach unbelievable I mean, I mean it's terrible it's terrible and now he only plays second in the show so it's it's not obvious, like, well, who would do this or why they would do it. But it is interesting to note that uh, Jager's um, father, he is the son of the best in breed winner, Mr. Jingles. You probably mm-hmm. knew that. Okay. <laughs> Mr. Jingles. Mr. Jingles. He okay, was so- not running. He's not running for mayor. I don't no, rec- he isn't. Mr. Jingles is not running for mayor. He did win, did win best in breed. And so they, they are doing a big investigation about poisoning. At the same time that this investigation is going on in Britain, my good friend, Vladimir Putin, president of Russia, you know, you know, I, I lived in Russia for a number of years. So I'm always, I am always monitoring what is going on in that great republic. He, he gave out two major medals this week uh, to uh, sort of medals of honor to great Russians. One was to some Chechen leader. OK, so it's not like he hasn't done a lot of brutality, but he gave but Vlad gave him a big medal. But the other guy that got the medal of honor in Russia this week is a guy named Andre Lugovoy. Now, you have to cast your mind back, Liam. You have to go way back. Back in the Satellite Sisters podcast, uh, when I was living in Russia, I, t- I told you about the story of a poisoning death in London of Alexander Litvinenko. Do you oh, remember yeah, yeah. Yes. This many, was a guy. We got many yes. installments of that story. Yes. This was a guy that he was a former member of the Russian FSB, and he, um, he sort of turned. So he went to – he escaped to London. Because he was about to, uh, you know, spill the beans on a couple of murder plots that Putin's administration had um, had done, and so he was sitting at a cafe at the uh, in a hotel cafe, uh, the Millennium Hotel, which is in the shadow of the U.S. Embassy in London, right on Grosvenor Square, and he was drinking tea, and his tea was poisoned, Leon. Okay with this terrible poison and he died a terrible death in London and they the you know the british have investigated it and they've you know they've realized that it was this andre lugovoy who just got the medal of honor this week by vladimir putin uh was the one that did it okay That's so now incredible. we don't know it is incredible i mean that i mean Vladimir Putin, you could not, like House of Cards, I don't know if you've seen season three, but no. there's a whole Russian theme to it. And you know how dark House of Cards is. It's dark, it's brutal, things are happening. They have nothing on <laughs> Vladimir Putin, nothing on him, okay? So now we have another poisoning in Great Britain. Oh, I see, okay. You huh. see where I'm going with this, Leon. Uh, they have to investigate Andre Lugovoy, the, you know, the Russian Medal Honor winner, to see if he is in somehow involved with the death of this beautiful dog. I, I, it could only be the Russians that would that would re, you know would resort to poison. 
who who poisons people? You right? Know, right. And as this lovely British woman on the BBC kept saying yesterday, she's a judge, you know, a top judge in Britain. That's what she kept saying. Dog lovers could never poison dogs. Like, how would could you poison another dog? She said, I've never seen it. She did cite some, and then she sniffed a little bit. American shows where she's seen competitors uh, sabotaged by people clipping their hair, like <laughs> going in and cutting big <laughs> wads of hair. Wouldn't that be tragic? That's a terrible. Right. But they're not killing the other dog. So, Julie, I think you're on to something. They're not killing. Oh, this is. Yeah. Uh, honestly, who who else? Po- I mean, I mean, you know, this is what the Russians have done. They uh, they poisoned a, a journalist as well that um, that was reporting on Chechnya. So that this is their sort of their. You know, this is their mark. So I think that's where they should look to find out who killed uh, Jager. So okay. I'm very sorry about All right. that. All right. It's a terrible story about the dog. It is a terrible story. And, and, and that Putin would do that. Um, speaking of narcissists, Julie, there was a good story this weekend or that just broke yesterday, I guess, about a study on narcissism. And I saw that, Liam. I saw that. I, I just read the headline. What's what's up with that? Okay, so these professors uh, in communication psychology at Ohio State University wanted to look at like what causes narcissism in children. Is it parental behavior? Are you born a narcissist? Nature, nurture, and how much do parents influence that? And what their study found was that parents who overpraise their children parents who actually think their children are special and deserve better treatment then create narcissistic kids and they these kids come to believe that they are more superior to others and they do deserve special treatment so uh the scientists concluded that you've actually there's a big difference between narcissism and self-esteem okay like we've taken this praise thing way too far. We are trying to create positive self-esteem and instead we've created like entitled narcissistic kids. And so the science, the social scientists said, you know, it's one thing to be warm and to praise your child for who they are. I love you very much and give them a big hug, but that's better, very different than saying you're so special. You're the best at jumping rope or whatever it is. So- Uh In the, in the study, they actually evaluated uh, 565 children from middle-class neighborhoods in the Netherlands along with their parents. So these aren't even Americans. Other people do it too. Um, and one of the things they did, they asked them a whole bunch of questions over 18 months. And I heard an interview with one of the scientists yesterday. One of the things they did was they asked parents, is your child familiar with this event? So these are kids from seven to 11 years old. And so they would ask them, you know, has your child heard of Watergate? Has your child heard of 9-11? Has your child heard of, you know, the Olympics? And, uh, but to trick the parents, they, they threw in a couple of made up historical events. Isn't that brilliant? Yes. So they would say, like, has your child heard of the Beijing Revolution? And there were a couple of other, like, made-up events, like Hong Hong Kong Spring. And parents were like, oh, yes. Oh, they've heard of that. Oh, yes. 
Yes, we discuss the Hong Kong Spring every night at dinner. (laughs) We celebrate Hong Kong Spring every spring, don't you? I thought that was hysterical. And that's how they knew, like, these parents are really, they are really overvaluing, like, how much their children know and how much they understand. But I just thought that was hysterical. So scientists have now said, you know, social scientists have said, if you treat your children like they walk on water, you're really just setting them up to sink like stones later. So there you go. So be, I wonder, I wonder if the pendulum is going to swing, swing the other way, because there has been so much emphasis on self-esteem, right? Because that it seems like the root of a lot of bad behavior and bad choices are poor self-esteem. You know, and yes. so people have really focused on that, both for girls and for boys. And, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of school curricula have, have you know, incorporate that. And uh, we do give out trophies and medals and statues for everything, for participation. But now will this, uh, will this study or studies like this, will it swing it the other way? And, you know, will we... Back off a little. Well, and they said it's okay to praise them for things they're actually good at or for effort, but really, you know, taking it to the, and, and to be, again, to be warm and loving. One of the interesting things about this study is they had always associated cold parents, you know, parents who did not show a lot of emotional warmth with raising narcissistic kids. Psychologists had thought that you know, kids who were narcissistic didn't get enough attention and warmth at home. So they sort of created their own, I'm so special persona. But this study actually said that that that's not what they found. They, they did not find uh, cold parents created narcissistic kids. It was, it was not, these were, these were warm parents who just overpraised their children and had, you know, exacerbated expectations and really did think they were special. (laughs) So so, uh, that was interesting. And then the other thing to note is this only affects middle-class children. They said children from poor or lower class families can grow up to be narcissistic, but the cause may be different for them. So that's one of the interesting things. But then in a related story, much like you did with the poisoning, I had a good assignment yesterday. I had to go to baby gift for someone who works with my husband. (laughs) And And so you're trying to pick out the perfect narcissistic baby gift? Well, I just, no, I was trying to pick out a baby gift for someone I've never met, which is a hard, hard thing to do. But he has been working closely with this guy in Dallas and his wife just had a baby. It's their first child. He was in Europe with them for two weeks. So he felt like he should acknowledge. And he said, just could you send a baby gift to this address? And so I thought I would go with the classic, you know? So then I looked at the prices at the Tiffany gifts and I thought, you know, I don't really know them. And that may be too much. And they may think I'm... No, you know, they don't need that. It's just just, something to polish. Right. You don't do not get those, you know, silver rattles from Tiffany. Yeah. Although I, I got a silver rattle from a good friend. And what I loved was the kids would take it and just bonk their heads. They had so many bruises from that Tiffany man on the moon rattle. Um, so then I thought, well, she's in Dallas. They're in Dallas. I'll look in Neiman Marcus. And I haven't really looked at baby clothes like you have, Urban Nana, for a while. And in the Neiman Marcus catalog, I'm sure they have some real clothes, but online, the clothes they feature, it's all these mini designer clothes. It's Gucci. It's, you know, Burberry. It's the Ralph. It's like cashmere jumpsuits you yeah, know that's from ralph really lauren practical yeah. <laughs> really practical because cashmere yeah it's 
you you know, if you spit up on it, that's good, right? Because you can't clean it. So there you go. You wear it once. I was, I was just shocked. Like, first of all, they're not even cute. Like, I mean, Armani, I don't think babies should wear black clothes. I don't understand that, right? (laughs) You have the whole rest of your life to wear black clothes. And like those, that Burberry plaid, that's not cute. It's uh-uh. Burberry, but it's not adorable. It's not fire trucks or kitty cats. I just, exactly, Leanne. Exactly. I was or so rainbows shocked. Or strawberries yeah. or something like that. Or right. they, there was an Armani t-shirt. It was, of course, a slub cotton t-shirt because, you know, we all know what that is. And it was cute. I thought, well, that's cute. I'm not going to get him a t-shirt, but that's at least cute. It had a big picture of a dog on it, like a big uh, brown lab. And it was $95 for a (laughs) t-shirt. I was like, this is so wrong. I can't on every level get anything like this for the baby. I just, I just went with a nice soft blanket. Good for you, Liam. That's what I went with. practical. You can always use that. Yes. Uh, uh, The mother, I'm sure, will appreciate that. Yeah. And you're right. Babies do not need designer clothes. They do not okay? need designer clothes. The only, you know, the only people, that's, that's the, some issue with their parents that want to, you know, dress them. Yes, in the same clothes. narcissistic parents that will be yeah. overpraising them. I mean, that's just, that's just nuts to me. That's not a hundred percent nuts. So I had to speak out. I haven't really seen it up close. And now that I see it, it's nuts. Yeah. Well, maybe you should have gotten the baby an Apple watch. I, I should have. <laughs> Babies love watches. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Yes. Yes, they do. Did you, did you see, I mean, how could you miss that the Apple watch came out? You couldn't miss that. No. All right. Well, here's my headline on the Apple watch. That screen is too darn small. (laughs) Do you understand what is happening? You know, I have to wear my reading glasses to look at my iPhone. So now everything, all the functionality is going to be on the watch face and you're going to have teeny tiny app icons. Your little, my little pudgy fingers are not going to be able to operate those. I mean, that, uh, what do you think of the watch? I, you know, I didn't, it's not for me. I Because you know, you're allergic to watches. Yeah. Right? I mean, you should <laughs> yes, give I a backstory that you, your biorhythms are, something happens when you wear a watch and watches explode. When yes, you have they watch. explode. They stop. I'm one of this tiny, tiny percentage of people. My personal magnetism throws off the watches. Thank you, Julie, <laughs> for mentioning that. And that is a real thing. Yeah. That's yeah. a real thing, people. But I actually had a watch explode off my arm once in the middle of class. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, you know what? I just figure those watches are for real fitness geeks. Like that seems to be the only practical purpose for those watch. If you, like I thought our brother Jim will get one because Jim likes to monitor almost everything he does. His intake of this, his outtake of that, his heartbeat. You can send your heartbeat to someone else. Yeah. Did you see that? I don't know who, I mean. We're going to be getting Jim's heartbeat. I swear to you. He's going to be sending us his EKGs. So when I saw it, I was like, oh, Jimmy's going to get one of those. This will keep him busy in retirement. He can just monitor all his bodily systems. Okay. Okay. I don't, I don't. The big news actually here in Hollywood uh, from that was the HBO news that you would now be able to get HBO separate from your regular cable company. So it would just be on your watch. You could, no, any Apple device. 
Oh, okay. So if you just wanted HBO, you can now pay without paying for all the cable and the $15. You can pay just $15 a month for the HBO. Now, we can only talk about that because Liz, our cable TV executive sister, is not on the air. But it is, they said it's a real game changer just to break out HBO like that and make that available. Uh, it'll be available to everybody in a couple of months, but Apple has the exclusive rights for three years. So that was the big headline in the business section today in the LA Times because they said this is, this is the first time somebody's done that, like broken right. away from the cable companies and offered it as a single pay. So there you go. So there was, I mean, well, Leon, that's fascinating because there was a lot of worldwide, you know, or speculation that is this um, Apple Watch going to be a game changer the way the iPad was, the iPhone, you know, but if now you're, you know, some of the content you want is coming out on different devices, do you see that you might wear multiple watches so that you could have HBO on one watch and then and you your heartbeats? Fox on another watch. Your EKG. <laughs> your, your O2 levels. You're just monitoring your O2 levels on the other watch. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You have one for each arm. You know, I don't know. I, it, it's possible. But, but but when I saw it, my big reaction was, oh, that screen is small. It's tiny. You know? It is small. And, no, that's it. And, and you're supposed to be able to do all this functionality on it. And that... That just uh, just means I will never take my reading glasses off. <laughs> so I'm kind of depressed about that. And it's not waterproof either, Leanne. I, I just uh, I'm a little worried about that. That seems uh, like an oversight. Like they they should have figured that out. So uh, and the plastic bands, I don't know. Really, I, I just thought you could have done better. You could have done better with that. I know there's a gold version. That seems nice, but it seems. It seems really, really pricey. So I don't think I'll be getting that. I so. think that's really for the Apple heads. That watch is for really that tiny percentage of people that will just buy any, literally anything Apple pulls, puts out. Yeah. I, I just, I don't think it's going to be a game changer. Yeah. Okay. Although, can you talk into it? Is it your uh, phone? Uh, yes. Yeah, yes. So oh, well, Siri, that's pretty cool. Siri, <laughs> so Liz will, I predict Liz will be the first satellite sister. With one of the Apple watches. Julie, she probably already has one. Well, I know no. she does. And, and I mean, and here's the thing. She won't have to pay for it. Somebody will just give, Steve Jobs will give her the Apple watch. Well, he's dead, I know but... he's dead. But, <laughs> but, but I know he will what you have mean. willed one for her that's going to arrive at her door. I know, that's what, I know what you that's... mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, we'll just have to watch what's going to happen with that Apple watch. Hey, Leon, I want to tell you about a really fun book. Oh, I good. Highly recommend this for you. And I think many of our satellite sisters will enjoy it as well. The name of the book is called Dear Committee Members by Julie Schumacher. Oh, have I have of heard of this book that it's very funny. It is funny. It is witty. It is clever, Leon. And who would like this book? I'll just tell you, if you ever, if you've worked in academia, you will love this book. If you've ever been to academia, you will enjoy this book. If you have a son or daughter that's trying to apply to academia, you will enjoy this book because it is the story of Jason Fitger, and he is a beleaguered professor of creative writing at a small and not very distinguished college in the Midwest. And so this is his tale of woe, but it is told only through the letters of recommendation that he writes for endless letters of recommendation that he writes for his students and for his colleagues. I mean, and each of these letters of recommendation, they're just a gem. 
you know, there for to get into other programs, to for colleges, it's for, you know, their colleagues to apply for positions as department chair. But it is, and so the whole story of this professor and what happens to him is told through these letters of recommendation. It doesn't bother you reading a book with all letters? No, no, no. No, Leanne. Because this this has turned me off before. I've had to walk away from all letter books before. But you feel like this this is is snappy? This is so funny and so snappy. And, you know, in my past life, I was director of admissions at a number uh, number of universities and uh, so I've read 8 million letters of recommendation. And Leon, if I ever read even one of the letters from this book <laughs> in, my, in my career, I would have been so happy. I would have like, you know, just I wouldn't have cared what, what else the other, that was in the application file. I would have automatically admitted the, uh, the person okay. because they are so funny and so well done. It's not a big book. It's sort of short and fun and light, but I, you'll enjoy it. And it's and and again, if you have any uh, background in academia, uh, it is hilarious. I mean, I, I just uh, absolutely loved it, and I want to recommend it to all. I and just I'm up- I've got it at Amazon up at Amazon dot com now, and I can tell you, it's also it sounds like it would be a good Audible book, a good audio book. Oh yeah. Really, really good. Really good as an audio book. Yeah. It's just a four hour long audio book. So if you want to use, uh, you know, try out audible, if you've never downloaded an audio book before, you know, we have that special URL, you can get one free audio download and a 30 day free trial. Just go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash sisters, audiblepodcast.com forward slash sisters and dear committee members by Julie Schumacher is the name of the book. You know, I may just order it right now, right? I can (laughs) press the button. Go ahead. Do it. Okay. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm so tired from. I know this is, uh, this is, you know, uh, uh, Liz was talking this weekend about uh, the very cute, very smart, uh, Netflix series called uh, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. It, it was just that it's fun, it's light and kooky, and it seems like, uh, you know, a good balance to just, you know, a lot of the dark t- uh, uh, television shows that are out there, right. dark movies. Uh, this is this is the same way. It's sort of, it's just light and fun and funny. It won't take you long to read. And <laughs> some of the letters are just... They're gems. I mean, because it, I mean, have you written letters of recommendation for people, Lee? And you yeah, know, probably not I mean, as I, many as you, but some, yeah. yes. Oh, I mean, it's torture to write those. Yeah. It's torture to make them interesting. And, uh, and these are, uh, these are a delight. So, um, so it was a very fun read. So, okay. Good, good, okay. Book nook. good recommendation. Very good. All right. Well, Leon, I think it's the time in the show that we can talk about all things Royal. We really have a royalty report. This week, because, you know, we're we're very sad. We're a little bit sad that Downton Abbey is over, you know, that it's just uh, we don't know what to do with ourselves on Sunday night. But we have decided, I think, that we are going to take uh, take a little dip into seeing the Royals. Yes. Which premieres this Sunday Leon, yes. on the E-Network yes. starring 
that award-winning actress, Elizabeth Hurley. Yes. And, and Lee and I've been doing some deep research on oh, this. Oh, good, Julie. I've, I've been watching, watching the e-videos where they're interviewing Elizabeth Hurley at, uh, with her castmates. And, of course, her castmates all think Elizabeth Hurley <laughs> is the most wonderful person in the world. <laughs> yes. Okay. And somehow I don't think she is, but I don't know why. Um, but uh, that starts Sunday, and uh, that looks like it will be uh, it will be a little fun little vacation for us to do that show. What do you think? I think so too. I think we should give it a whirl if people want to get on board. Uh, yeah, and it's uh, I'm looking it up now. Yeah, so it's it's on the E Network. It's their first scripted drama, so that should tell you a lot. Uh, but it's a fictional royal, you know, fictional British royal family, and it's set in contemporary London. But it did look, you know, like they have a lot of good sets, didn't it, Julie? And- yes, they do. They have nice sets, <laughs> yes. beautiful fashion. Um, I saw some hard-hitting, hard-hitting interviews where they were asking the actors that are in this. Uh, in this production, like what they wear to bed at night. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. No. So I'm seeing, I'm getting a lot. It's a lot like Downton Abbey, the kind of research, the yes. care that they took uh, to get the period pieces right. I think that's what they're doing with the royals, too. Yeah, the it's going to be good. Yeah, I think if you like um, Revenge, that show on ABC, that this yeah. may be your kind of show. Yeah. <laughs> so. okay, but we, but we, have, we should say that as a disclaimer. Like, if it is so horrible, that we we can't go on. We're not going to go on. With right. Yeah. Good. Point. Yes. Deaths. We will. We will make a call on that. Yes. But uh, uh, but we're going to give it a whirl. We're going to try that out, and and you all should watch it too, and just see what happens. But this is really, you know, we always say royalty is ridiculous, but when you think about what is out there right now, it's like that. That's really what we want. I mean, Cinderella is coming out this, you know, this week, and it got a great review, Land. I mean, oh, it did. I, yes, I mean, it's. Do you know it's directed by Kenneth Branagh? Oh, I didn't realize that. Yes, yes. Oh, okay. No wonder so, all those good actors are in it. Yes, so they have all these good actors. It's very touching. It's uh, they've, you know, it's it's the original story, but it's new and it's fresh. So it's getting very good reviews. So you do not have to be embarrassed. You don't have to. Uh, find a child to go see it in the movie theaters. I think we should just all go see Cinderella. Okay. <laughs> so, so you got that one. And then here in New York, of course, Helen Mirren is playing the queen in the audience and she's getting outstanding reviews, you know, for, for that play. So if you're here in New York and you, you know, after you've watched the Royals and seen Cinderella, you can take in Helen Mirren. And then later this spring, The King and I is coming back to New York. <laughs> You're kidding me. No, no. So, but of course, you know, because uh, I lived in Bangkok uh, and lived in Thailand, yes. and I have a great deal of respect for the Thai people and Thai culture and, uh, and the Thai royalty, that this play is, uh, is really, is not acceptable in Thailand. Because they, <laughs> they just, they just... You know, they don't, I mean, this is, this is a, a mischaracterization of, of their royal family. Okay. So. You have done your citizen diplomat duty in yes. reminding us of that. For most yeah. people in the world, it's just a Rodgers and Hammerstein musical. Right. <laughs> it's not. And it has that fantastic Broadway actress, what, Kelly O'Hara? Is that her? Oh, she's, okay. She's going to be in it. So, but I'm never going to see it. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
All right. Well, Julie, that is a, we had a full show of odds and ends and tidbits and whatnot. So, so what, what else is on the docket this week for Urban Nana? Anything? Well, no, I think, you know, I have some more heavy duty babysitting. They are trying to, uh, my son and daughter-in-law are trying to, the reason I'm back is their childcare situation just had really not gelled. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's coming together now, Leanne. I, I think the plans are coming together uh, there's some very strong indications that the stars and the moons are go- are aligning, and uh, and uh, Josephine uh, will, you know, the, the childcare situation is going to work out. So I'm I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad I could help out, and you know, it's just, I mean, for every working parent, oh, you you know how hard yeah. it's very hard, and it's and it for some reason it seems harder in New York because everything's just a lot more so complicated. Expensive. Yeah, complicated. So expensive, yeah. so competitive. Right. So, but, uh, I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm just happy to be here. I did get kind of, um, I wouldn't say, I, I wouldn't say my son gave me a lecture, but he did <laughs> the other morning, uh, as I was hugging it, hugging and kissing Josephine, he said something like, you know, we, we, I, our parenting style is we like Josephine to, you know, try new things out and to challenge her. So I think he was telling me that I was hugging uh, Josephine too much. <laughs> Do you think? Do you think? I totally disregarded him. When, right. Uh, I feel like. Try new child... things out. She's like four months old. Is she going to do rodeo riding or something? <laughs> no, you know, he's he's a new parent. I, I, I didn't I fault him. I didn't no, I fault know. him. I but I, I feel like I really... There is no harm in some extra hugs and kisses. Right. Really, that really, there's no, no harm in no. that. You know, I mean, that's, uh, and I, I'll just try to curb my enthusiasm when he's around and let her be challenged by some new toy or something like that. I don't know. Um, but I mean, he wasn't really criticizing me, yeah. but, but I, I, I think I was up to my limit in terms of... <laughs> That old hugging and kissing. The, the hugging and kissing. Wanted a fresh new take on, <laughs> on expressing emotion. Okay. High fiver tomorrow morning. See how she goes, does with that. Okay. Just go right. in and high fiver. See how she responds. So, all right, everyone, you know, you can always find us at SatelliteSisters.com. We would be remiss. We, we want to congratulate you for making it to the end of the podcast. And now we want to ask you to vote for us at the podcast awards. We're on the general category. And, uh, so information is always, we're trying not to bug you too much, but, um, it'll be on the Facebook page and on the website. Uh, we're in the general category and we're just trying to get in as many votes as we can and support our other female podcasters out there we're sticking together as a voting block the history chicks the grammar grammar girl uh special mouse is a podcast um that of kathleen kelly does for kids special need kids and families with special issues going to disneyland and disney world uh so that's all on our list we're just and then you can vote for cereal in the people's choice okay (laughs) okay So cereal can win. We want everybody to be winners, Leanne. Yeah. Project self-esteem here. Yeah. Sisters, yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. I finally finished cereal. Did you listen to it, Jill? Yes, Leanne. Oh, yes. he's, he's totally did it. <laughs> right. What's I think the... so. Yeah. Leanne, we, to, to, to be discussed. Okay. Perhaps we'll talk about it on a, an upcoming show. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. I just, yeah. I don't believe you forget giant swath of time where you were the day your girlfriend disappeared or ex-girlfriend. I just don't believe that. All right. Anyway, there you go. That's my, (laughs) 
We can talk about it later. Yes. <laughs> All right. We're the satellite. Well, Lee, you have a good week. Okay? You too, Joel. Right. You too. Okay. Don't forget, call your satellite system. <laughs>